right, so last week we talked about, and I won't do a review on that if you did not get, if you were not here, how many were here for last week's message? Okay, a lot of you. If you weren't, I just encourage you to get that. I know I always say that, but, you know, you just can't teach the whole Bible in one week, so you got to do things systemically. And it could be a really good part of your devotional life to just get on WeConnect.cc and listen to that, or the CD's free downstairs. I'm going to give the CD's away free. I mean, you can't make it any easier. All you got to do is, like, take a little extra step and just grab that thing and then put that in your... One guy was listening, one of my friends was listening to the message on the way in this morning because he missed last week so he could be right on track, and he was... He was remembering all my golf jokes. So anyway, I was, I was like, do you remember the point? No, anyway. But uh, I really want to encourage you guys to get that message last week. We talked about the difference, kind of uh, how people can be raised in church, maybe, maybe exposed to certain religious activities, uh, and, and maybe even say certain prayers and things like that. But the disciples saw something different in what Jesus was doing, and we talked about the difference and what kind of keeps us um, you know, from uh, the rescue relationship with God versus the real relationship with God. What keeps us from, you know, God reliance and, 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 excuse me, from self-reliance and gets us more into God reliance in our prayer life. And I think it'll help a lot of people. But today I want to talk to you about, kind of so, set it up by saying all the things that you see when you come into church on a Sunday morning, um, it's, it's important for you to know that, this, that we're not part of a, a formal denomination. We are part of affiliation of churches, uh, the Association of Related Churches. Uh, we are a partner church with, we help plant churches, resource churches, really all over the world now. But we are, we are really like uh, uh, a church that's not part of a formal denomination. In other words, we didn't get sponsorship or help or resources or people. This whole thing started because of prayer. Everything you see, everything you lay your naked eye on, was a result of prayer and faith. It's, it, every, every little thing you see, it's all based on prayer. So when I talk about how important prayer is, I mean, it's important. Everything was preceded by prayer. The vision I received for this church and even, even its name and all the values and different things that have stemmed from it all came from a season, a time of prayer. I was away and I kind of was on a, I was actually out of state and really dedicating time to be able to pray about the vision of this church. It was because of prayer. And many, many times, many seasons when there were important things that were really ahead of us and, and, and they're always preceded by seasons of prayer. Many of you are perhaps here today, you may not realize that because people prayed for you to be here. It's a result of prayer. We prayed for that. Because at the end of the day, it's not by might, it's not by power, the Bible says, but it's by His Spirit. Amen? This whole thing really was built on prayer. There's actually people now praying for you in another room, you know, about this service. I think that's pretty cool. You're sitting here getting ready to receive the word. Some people can come to, to, to uh, hear something or be informed. Some people come to receive. It's different. There's listening and there's receiving. And so there are people back there praying that you can receive something that can actually change your life. Prayers of value that's here. We train intercessors just uh, yesterday. Intercessors were being trained to be able to pray for you and for others. Uh, they pray over the ministries of this church. It's awesome. They pray for me and my wife and Pastor Deej and Sarah and uh, have intercessors who are lifting us up on a routine basis. I can call them and say, I need, you know, there's something going on. I need you to pray about it. And, and, and we can always get better at this, and I can get better at it a lot, but, but prayer is important. We pray and fast as a church. We pray and fast as a leadership. I pray and fast as a pastor. Um, prayer is really important. And if that's true of our church, I would just say, what if all of us had that value? 
What if it wasn't some of us? What if it was all of us? What if we all took prayer really seriously what could happen, what could be accomplished. And so I'm encouraging us to really join uh, each other, really come together and go into a season of prayer. And in the first of the year, usually we have a time of prayer and fasting, and, and I'm encouraging us for all a time of prayer and feasting. If you want to fast, you can, but knock yourself out. But I'm going to eat during this prayer vigil for the next 21 days, okay? <laughs> I just need to see if you're paying attention. So, so... Um, I heard one guy say, you know, when I pray, you know, some people pray with faith and power, and I pray, and it's like paste and flour. But it's, <laughs> we need to pray with faith and power, right? And so, um, but I want to encourage you guys to go on a 21-day prayer vigil starting tomorrow morning. Everybody say tomorrow morning. 21 days. That prayer vigil will culminate in a, in, in a time where, where, where we, we just are going to feel a corporate anointing. That Actually, the Bible refers to it in Psalms as a commanded blessing. It's something different when everybody does it. And so it's not hard. Every one of you can do it. There's really, I'm going to eliminate every excuse you probably could come up with today in my message, I'm sure. But there's really, it's really easy. I'm going to teach you how to pray 15 minutes. How many can you think you could give 15 minutes a day for 21 days to God? I think everybody can do that. If you're too, if, if you're too busy for that, you need prayer right after church today. <laughs> serious, serious prayer. Okay? We'll lay hands on you. We may actually hurt you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know. But uh, 21 days of prayer. I'm going to teach you how to pray 15 minutes a day and make it simple and make it a practical for you, a, a good season. Today's message is called the Roadmap, and the Lord's Prayer is what we're going to talk about. Luke 11, 1 and Matthew chapter 6, I'll also refer to a parallel text uh, for you. But the Lord's Prayer was never meant to be uh, a recitation, and so it's meant to be more of a roadmap. And most people don't know how to pray, and that's why we don't do it. And that's really kind of what was going on with the disciples. A rally, rally cry, though, during the season of prayer, the 21 days, not just in the morning, but a rally cry is to pray first before we do this or that or whatever. It's just to pray first. What, it would, look, what would your life look like if before you did certain things, made certain decisions, sent that email, or sent that, you know, Facebook rant. Am I hitting some nerves here early this morning? <laughs> sent that tweet out. What, if, ha, what would happen if you prayed first? Everybody say pray first. In other words, before you go to the throne... You know, the phone, excuse me, you go to the throne. Before you go to the ibuprofen, you go to the great physician. You know what I mean? Before you have pizza all by yourself, you thank God, you know, and, and, have, and, and share and pray, you know, to the one who supplied all that for you. You know, the all-sufficient one. Before you went to bed, you prayed first. Before you made any appointments with anybody else, you made an appointment with God. What would happen if you prayed first every single day of your life? Before you talk to that guy about your, that new business opportunity. Before he, he's, a guy's getting ready to come in your office, you hold up, hold up, close the door, and you just say, God, I just ask for your favor on this appointment that I'm about ready to go into. I, I pray, Lord, that your favor be so strong that I just make loads and loads of money. And I'll be faithful to be a giver. You know, what if you did that? Would you think things could change? What if you prayed for your kids before they went out the door to school? And you said, hold up, hold up, hold up. Stop right there, stop right there. Let, me, let dad just pray for you. Let mom just pray for you. Now in the name of Jesus, I just, I just pray for my son or my daughter. I pray that you protect them, their person. I pray that you protect the plans and all the schedule that they have today. You protect all their possessions, that nothing gets stolen because we live in a crazy world. I pray, Lord, that you help them to make good decisions, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray they not they be a leader and they not be a fuck. 
you getting something out of this right now? What would happen if we prayed first? Before, before, not just before our meal, before we went to bed at night. Pray first. Everybody say, pray first. Pray first. I don't think you get it. It's just two words. Pray first. Everybody say it real strong. Pray first. Anyway, so 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says this. It says, rejoice always. And then it says, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What, some people say, what's God's will? To pray. To pray. It's God's will to pray. Here's our big idea in your notes. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. I encourage you to be a note taker. My friend says note takers are history makers. So you, you will remember we do things the way we do it at Connect Here on purpose. The fact that there is multimedia there to help you see things, the fact that, that we're speaking in it this way, the fact that there's a worship guide in your hand so you can take notes, it's, so you, it's actually proven statistically you will retain more of that information. So it's really good for you to use all the tools and resources so that you can grow spiritually. If you don't do it for certain reasons, that's fine, I understand, but I'm just telling you there's a reason why we do it, amen? So prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. For most, this isn't the case. We act first, and then we ask God to bail us out, you know? That's what happens all the time, right? Instead, we're going to pray first. That's what David did. David um, I think he was a man after God's own heart for a lot of different reasons. One was he was a worshiper, but worship is prayer. And one of the things that David did whenever he faced a difficulty or a trial is he would, the Bible says he would inquire of the Lord. You can look at it over and over and over again in the life of David. If you read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, or the Chronicles, or Psalms, or whatever, he would inquire of the Lord. Some, in some of his most tested moments, he would pray. And I don't think you can pray in those tested moments if you don't pray in those non-tested moments. It has to be cultivated prior to that. Paul and Silas, when they're worshiping and praying, you know, in the jail cell. They, why would you do that when you're shackled and you, you can smell, you know, all the grossness that's of a prison? At the, I won't describe a Roman prison to you, but it's disgusting. Why would you do that if you hadn't had that as a habit, as a part of your character? So we have to pray continually as a habit. Amen? And it's important to pray. Let me, let me get serious for a second. I, I don't, I, I like... I like to have fun, you know, when we come to church. Like, I like to have fun, I like to eat and laugh. I mean, those are my two priorities in life, eat, eating and laughing, all right? I, seriously, I really love to do that. But on occasion, there's a need to be serious, you know what I'm saying? Because this world is, is crazy nuts. This world is in peril. It's in peril. If you're not paying attention, it's in a lot of trouble. There's an incredible moral decline. It's, it's, when I say moral decline, I mean, it's not going like this. Like, it's going like this. Like, it's crazy. Like, planes are being shot down out of the sky. Not, not fighter jets. Commercial airlines. Like, what's, what's going on in the Middle East? Like, it's a big deal. Like, something's up. Is anybody up for the snack right now paying attention to what I'm saying? Like, it's... it's we need to pray. We need to pray. It's a big deal. Second, Corinthians, Second Chronicles, excuse me, chapter 7, a very famous text regarding prayer says this. Because I think in the last days, by the way, we should pray more. You say, do you think we're in the last days? Uh, yeah, I, actually I do. Actually I do. I, I don't know how we couldn't be. I really don't. I don't know how we couldn't be. So what do you do in the last You pray. It says this in 2 Chronicles 7, 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or I command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, in the next part, he almost teases us a little bit. He says, if, 
If my people, maybe they won't, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Pray. Everybody say, pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That, that's kind of what's needed. That's our role. We have a role to play in what's going on in this crazy day that we're in. So now I'm going to teach you, and moving on, I'll get out of the morbid into the message, but I want to teach you kind of what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples there to the best of my ability. And, and chances are, you know you need to pray, but you're thinking, I know I need to, but it's just, I have a hard time with it. I know, that's, I know that's what I thought. I know that sometimes what people, you know, um, what's going on in their brain. And that was me. I grew up in church, um, but, I, but I couldn't pray like other people could pray. I listened to other preachers pray. I listened to Joe Osteen, and, and he'd take his Bible up, you know, in front of everybody, you know, and say, you know, his daddy used to do this. This is my Bible. I can do what I says I can. Anybody heard, anybody heard John or Joe Osteen do that? Yeah. You know, and, and then my dad, you know, when he would pray, he's, my dad has this, and I inherited a lot of this, but he had this alliterative disease is what I used to call it. Everything rolled and rhymed and just came together, and, and he would pray, and I had to write some of this down because I couldn't, I was, I, was, I was talking to my sister last night, remember how dad used to do, verify your servant, glorify your son, magnify your word, and terrify your enemies. <laughs> I think, you know, like, I felt like it was a rope-a-dope, you know, with Muhammad Ali, you know, push, push, you know what I mean, when he prayed. <laughs> but I couldn't pray like that. I couldn't pray like that. I grew up, you know, in Sunday school. I remember having a Sunday school teacher at Wellesley Park Assembly of God. And, and so we're going to pray and at the end of the little message. And we, we're going to get in a circle. And we'd all stand up and push our desks back. We'd get in a circle. And we'd all hold hands. And some people have heard this and done this, you know, when they were growing up. And they said, okay, we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray first. And then when I'm done praying, I'm going I'm I'm to let you pray. And then they'd squeeze to let the next person, anybody know what I'm talking about? They'd squeeze, you know, let the next person go. So she'd pray and squeeze. Now, I, somehow, I'd always be the end of the line. And here's the problem with that. Because at the end of the line, all you can think about is, you know, what you're going to say. You're not even paying attention to what everybody's saying because you're just trying to focus on what you're going to say. So that shows you where our prayer life is. It's all about what I'm going to say in my words, not necessarily connecting. But, you, but whenever you did listen, and I would listen occasionally, I'd hear, oh, my gosh, she just said what I was going to say. Then the next person would go, oh, man, that's what I was going to say. And by the time it got, squeeze, squeeze, by the time it got to me, it was squeeze, squeeze, right on down the line. You know what I mean? Like, pass that baby right on down the line because, because that's how I looked at prayer. And, and, and just pass that bad boy on. And I, I remember this, you guys have seen this, uh, for those of you who like Tim Hawkins, you know, he talks about this, uh, these, you know, these, child, these childhood prayers like that parents would pray with their kids. And, and, and they'd come in and they'd say goodnight to their kids and it's dark in the room and they'd pray with their kids. And, and it's this old childhood prayer that you all know, you've all heard. It's, I think it's one of the worst prayers in the world that anybody can pray with their kids. And, and you get down on your, you know, your knees with your kid and the kid's in bed and tall tucked in and wanting to be secure and cuddled and, and, and pray with me, daddy. And okay, let's, I'm going to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. What a morbid thing, first of all, just, to, just to how it's all set up. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die. You know what I mean? Before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Night, sweetie. Have a good night. I'll see you in the morning. Maybe. 
You know what I mean? That's what, that's what Tim Hawkins would do. And, and these crazy prayers. As a result, what really wasn't, it, it, it wasn't appealing to me, and it wasn't appealing to you because of what we've seen and what we heard and what we've observed. And I think that's what was going on with the disciples. They, were, they had observed things, and it just, you know, we do it, but it's just obligatory, and it really isn't connecting. And I would come up because of this with so many excuses growing up in church not to pray. i got to tell you one joke. It's not my joke. You guys want to hear, you want, you guys want to hear a Boudreaux joke? Okay, Boudreaux, I have all these friends that are Cajuns, right? And my, one of my mentors and pastors, Pastor Chris Hodges, he told this joke when we were down in Alabama, and, and uh, he, talks about, he talks about Boudreaux. And I won't set up who Boudreaux is, but everybody tells Boudreaux and Thibodeau jokes when they're down there. Well, Boudreaux had been driving, and he's swerving all over the road. And so the police officer sees his car swerving all the road, so he pulls him over. He says, hey, you're swerving all over the road. You're gonna have to, we're going to we're gonna have to check you out. So Boudreaux's like, what's the problem, sir? He says, well, we're, you know, we're going to have to do a breathalyzer. Well, you can't, you can't do that. You can't do a breathalyzer because I'm asthmatic. So, well, well, that's a problem. So then we're going to have to do a urine test. Well, you can't do a urine test because uh, I'm a diabetic. He says, well, well then we're going to have to do one of them blood tests. He says, well, you can't do, you can't do a blood test because I'm a, I'm a hemophiliac. He says, well, then you're going to have to walk the line. Udor says, you can't do that. He says, why not? He says, because I'm drunk. <laughs> For some of us, <laughs> ah, that's funny. I don't care what you say. That's funny. <laughs> that's what our spiritual life is like, though, sometimes. It's just filled with excuses as to why we, we, we can't get through to God. It's just filled with obstacles. And so I want to remove those barriers. Look at Luke chapter 11 in your notes, and we're going to look at the parallel text in Matthew chapter 6. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Everybody say certain place. We'll talk about that more maybe next week. When he finished, one of his disciples basically said to him, and they, so, they, so again, remember the disciples, they grew up praying, they grew up in church, they, they memorized prayers, they knew prayers, all right, they, they had religious training, they memorized the law, some of them even the first five books of the law, and, and they say to him, and, and, and he responds when they ask him this question, but he responds with what we know as the Lord's Prayer, and again, remember, Jesus never intended for us to recite this prayer, in fact, he never said, pray this, in fact, the actual translation is, after this manner, pray. Okay? So you, your translation may say say, but the actual literal translation is after or in this manner, pray. So he's referring more towards an outline, more towards a guide for us in our prayer life. And they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Everybody say, teach us to pray. So he's saying there are these headings, there's these topics for you to pray. And it's fine if you just prayed that prayer and you just said it, but that wasn't the intent. That wasn't designed. In fact, there were seven things that he's going to go through that I think they observed him go through when they were watching him. And so he, he says, okay, I'm going to teach you to pray. And then he unpacks the Lord's Prayer. And in this prayer are just some secrets to be able to break through with God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's more, think of it more conversational when you, when you do the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to unpack this more, but first, basically, I got to talk to my daddy, you know, our Father in heaven. Uh, then I'm going to worship his name. Hallowed be your name. I worship your name. Then I'm going to pray his agenda. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then I'm going to pray for a little bit about uh, the things that are going on in my life, my needs. Give us today our daily bread. 
Then I'm going to talk to him about some issues that I have with myself and some issues that I have with, uh, you know, forgiving uh, myself and forgiving those who have, that have debts against me. Then I'm going to come against the enemy and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he wraps it all up by just pumping up God one more time. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that's kind of what I'm going to unpack for you. Is That's really what he was doing, but it was much more expanded than that. And one of the most beneficial things I can share with you is, again, this outline. Because you can do it for 21 days, 15 minutes a day. You can do it longer than that. The first thing is this. And this won't take me long. Connect with God relationally. This is kind of one of the things we talked about last week a little bit. Not formally, but relationally. Here's what most people miss. Right out of the gate, we should go to God relationally, not formally. But most of the time, we go to God formally. How you, how, if it has a flaw at the first, it has a fizzle at the finish. How you start affects how you end. Don't pray, in other words, in King James to God, our Father, hithersoever, whithersoever thou goest, you know, therefore, hitherto. No, just talk to your Father, your Father. Our Father in heaven. Your God is a Father. I don't want my kids coming to me all formal. Respectful, sure, but not formal. Jesus is trying to teach them. I think he's trying to teach them. This is his favorite name, Father. He never wanted to seem... See, if you don't come to him relationally, then he will seem far and distant from you, which is one of the number one reasons people don't want to connect or don't feel like they can connect with God because they think he's so far away. But actually, he's a very transcendent God. He can be very near to each and every one of us according to his word. Whenever you refer and see him as father, all that changes. He didn't want us to just send heavenly emails to him and, you know, just hope he gets it. No, no. He, here's what it looks like. You just wake up tomorrow morning. This is what it looks like for me. You just wake up in the morning. You open your eyes. You say, good morning, father. Or I like to say, good morning, daddy. Good morning, daddy. Because that's how I grew up calling my dad, daddy. I think that there was a, there was a very familiar comfortable, personal connection. Now, sometimes we have a hard time connecting with our Father that way because our earthly relationship has skewed our heavenly relationship, right? And, 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 but, but, but it should be, good morning, Father, good morning, Dad. I'm so excited to spend some time with you, which, of course, ideally would be the first part of our day, giving God the first fruits. And, and sometimes, you know, I know in my own life, my kids, especially when they were younger, they were physically close to me. They would come up in my lap, and, and there was that personal, intimate time. And, and, and it's one of the first things I used to enjoy to do when they would wake up in the morning, is just be intimate with the kids, and they just sit in your lap. We had, um, she's kind of like a godchild to us, if, if that's what you want to call it, Willow Grace. You know, you know Jason Goslin was here speaking not too long ago, and he brought his little girl up here in front of you, and, and kind of uh, as part of his message, uh, she came over and, and, and we got to spend some time with her yesterday. And basically, all we did was put her in, her in our lap and just look at her the whole time. She she could contribute nothing, but she contributed everything by just her presence being in our lap. And that's what God's looking for in the first part of your prayer time with Him. Are you tracking with me out there? He desires closeness. I remember one time just down the street here when we lived on the street on Pleasant Street years ago. And um, I, I had some things that were going on. I was praying, and I would go down into the cellar, into the basement, and pray. But the floor was very, very uh, thin, so you could hear what was going on upstairs. And all the kids were having a fun time, and I could hear Devin and Mallory and, and Madison at the time. Morgan wasn't uh, born at the time, you know, playing and goofing around and having a blast. And in my head, I was thinking, I don't want to be here 
I want to be there. And, and literally as quick as that, I heard the Spirit of God say to me, when you want to be with me like you want to be with them, things will change. Things will change. You know, Because I want to be with you like you want to be with them. And I think sometimes we don't pursue him because we see him wrong. We don't see him through the proper lens. Look in your notes, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, the New Living says, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Everybody see that word, fearful slaves? If you're serving God as a fearful slave, then you see him wrong. Now, that may not be how you see him, but whatever your view of God is will determine your relationship with him. I'll say that again so you get it. Whatever your view of God is will determine your relationship with him. If you just see him as like, you know, Zeus with lightning bolts, it's going to affect your relationship with him. If you see him like, you know, the, 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 the guy in the Wizard of Oz, you know, who just yells and has got that booming voice. You know what I'm, some of you Wizard of Oz people, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's going to affect your relationship with him. Your view of God will affect your relationship with him, but that's not how he is. Instead, you receive, according to God's word, God's spirit, when he adopted you as his own children. You desire, in other words, to get close because of that. Now we call him what? Abba Father. He's our faithful daddy or our faithful father. After this, basically, Jesus is saying in his first description of this prayer outline, he's saying, pray like that. Pray our Father who art in heaven. Pray like that. Here's the second thing we, we do in this prayer time with God is we worship his name. Everybody say, worship his name. I love the song that we sang this, mor- this morning, not for a moment. You know, and it just, there's different things in there that talk about his name and, and talk about the relational part of it as well. But this part, of the, this part of the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, we don't say the word hallowed very often, except when we're in church, probably. But, but it's talking about worship. You just spend some time talking about and worshiping. This is what you do in your prayer time tomorrow morning. You, you talk to your father. Your daddy, you know, I can't wait to spend time with you. Good morning, Father. And then you begin to worship, literally worship his name. You worship the name of God. Now, I'll try to explain that to you, but first I want to give you a little background on that. Sometimes when I tell, let me, let me tell you why worshiping the name is important, because it's powerful. The name of God is powerful. The names of God are powerful. Mike was doing the emceeing uh, this morning. He was talking about the name of God and how, and how powerful it is. I'm going to show you a clip in just a couple of minutes, just a minute or two on the, the, the power of the name of God. But listen, when, when, I, when I would, when I would uh, try to illustrate this, when I would tell my kids, say I say came home and, and I walk in from the garage and, and we have a den right off the garage and the, and the den's a mess. And I go upstairs and I try to figure out who's responsible for that. That's, that's, that would be very typical of me. And, and then I'll say to one of the kids who's not responsible, go down and tell, you know, Madison to clean up the den. And she goes down to tell Madison to clean up the den. And then she comes back a couple minutes later and she says, she's not cleaning up the den. I said, what did you tell her? She said, I told her to clean up the den. I said, well, that's the problem. I said, you go down there and you tell her, your father said to clean up the den. Now, she goes down there carrying the power of my name. How many know the den gets cleaned up? <laughs> right? 
So I want you to know there's power in the name of Jesus. So when you begin to worship, you know, God, you're worshiping his name. You are, you are becoming a carrier of the name of God in whatever situation, in whatever circumstance you begin to face. You need to be carriers of that authority, and the authority is in and when you pray the names of God. Look in your notes. Proverbs 18, verse 10 from the Message Translation says, God's name is a place of protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. We used to sing an old song, oh, the name of the Lord. It's like a strong tower, the righteous, whatever, run to it and are safe. And, and, and it talks about this, just this power that is in the name. Everybody say there's power in the name. And it gives you boldness when you know that you are a carrier of that authority. So I want to show you this particular clip. I was just, uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, on Facebook uh, shot this to me, and it just it inspired me when I realized when you carry that name, it affects the atmosphere and the environment in which you're in. Even, not just you, not just your family, but even uh, beyond that. Check this out. You guys ready? I was in, we can't be quiet. I, I was invited to make a prayer for this event and... Washington, D.C. It was a large event. Mucho, mucho people. <laughs> and I do mean mucho. And uh, I was invited to pray, and the organizer is a television personality who you recognize. Not, not, not a believer, but he's, he invited me. He's a friend. He said, Ren Rodriguez, I want you to come in. I want you to pray for the event. I said, it's a secular event. It has nothing to do with Christianity. Why would you want me to pray? Well, I just want you to pray. You want me to come and pray for an event that has absolutely no spiritual power? Yeah, I want you to pray. Oh, you want me to pray? You want me to, want me to pray? Oh, I'll pray. So they flew me in. It's a large event, and I do mean very large, a couple hundred thousand people. And I come in, and I, I, get, I, I go backstage, and, and, and right there, it's in, going out there next to the Washington Monument, and we're going up, and I'm going up, and the, the personality looks at me and says, we changed the program. And again, I took, out, I took that red-eye flight from Frisco to D.C. So it's, you know, third camera macchiato, and I'm looking, and I'm going, what? And he went, we changed the program. You're still praying, but in, this, in the spirit of correctness, we, we, we invited other people, other faith narratives to pray. And he goes, you know how it is. I go, no, I don't, but go ahead and tell me. And he says, well, and this sounds like three guys go to a bar, but you have to see it. It's actually, you can see what I say. <laughs> he, he, he goes, we, we have a universalist minister who will pray. We have an imam, the Muslim faith. We have a rabbi, and you're the Christian. He goes, do you want to pray first or last? Something inside of me said, son, you better pray last to fix all the mess everybody else makes out there in that place. So I said, I'll pray last. With great humility, I'll pray last. <laughs> so the first the lady went up first and she goes up first and she prayed and she went, God, you're the God of many names and no name at all. You're the air, you're the wind, you're the rock, you're the leaf, you're the tree. You are everything and yet you are nothing. Amen. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> and the Iman prayed in the name of Allah, and the rabbi did a good prayer, and I'm coming up, and, I'm, and the Lord, the Spirit of God told me, just pray like you do at church. Y'all never been to my church. <laughs> so I grabbed the mic, hit the mic, look, and said, okay, look, there's a crowd. Everybody's deer in headlights looking at you and saying, let's, let's pray. (laughs) 
in the name that is above all the other names. In the name to which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. No other name given unto man through by which salvation has come unto all mankind. In the name of he who saves, he who delivers, he who heals, and he who is coming back again. In the name of my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. For the next four to six minutes, the place wouldn't stop clapping and shouting. They, they just they couldn't stop. They couldn't continue. And someone asked, why are people reacting this way to a simple prayer? Why are they reacting like this? Real simple. There is still power in the name of Jesus. There is still power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. How many of you believe that? You believe that? So what you can do is you, you can be, write this down. You need to learn some of the names of Jesus, okay? Some of the names of God. He, he is my righteousness. This is be bonus material. He's my righteousness. All right? So when you begin to pray the names of God, worship his name, say, thank God that you're my righteousness. Because of you, I'm made right with God. Not because of my works, but because of your finished work. This is, these are examples that are things that you can pray. I thank you. There's another name. It's, he's your shepherd. He's your shepherd. I thank you, God, for your voice. And I want, to, I, I want to attend to your voice. And I don't want to listen to the voice of the stranger in accordance with John chapter 10. I want to hear your voice in your voice alone. He's my sanctifier. He's the one who, give me a pure and, and right spirit, God. Create in me a pure and clean heart, O oh God, in accordance with Psalm 51. I want to have a right spirit with you. Cast me not away from your presence. I thank you that you're my sanctifier so I can walk pure in right standing before God as I go forward in my life. He's my healer. I thank you, God, that because of the name of Jesus, that cancer will have no place in my body, that no sickness, disease, or infirmity will have any jurisdiction or authority in my body, in my body because you are my healer. You're my shepherd. You're my healer. You're my sanctifier. You're my peace. Here's another one is you're my peace. My peace is not found through circumstances. My peace comes from God. My peace comes from God. A peace that passeth all understanding is mine in accordance with his word. He will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Isaiah 26, chapter 3. He's my banner of victory. He's my provider. That's another one you can do. Here's another one that's in the Bible. Another name is he's there. He's the God who's there. That's one of his names. He's there. Say, so what do you mean? Say, so if you need him, I'm there. When you're over there, he's there. In Psalm 139, I thought I'd pull this one out for you. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. Everybody say, you're there. Yeah. If, I make, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Everybody say, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even though your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You're there. Psalm 139. Those are some of the names. Are you guys getting something out of this? All right, number three, then Jesus says, and he really likes it when you do this, you, number three, pray his agenda first. You pray his agenda first. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, your, we pray your kingdom come, that's, that's about him, before we pray about my agenda, that's, that's me, you know, 
before you get your will, what you want, you got to pray, his kingdom come. This is a big problem. We talked about this last week, this whole idea of surrender. God doesn't want to be kind of dumped on. And a lot of times, you know, you know how you are in relationship with people who are victim mentality, and they come to you with their problems at first, instead of they come to you interested in you. If somebody comes to you interested in you, and then they, real, they, they roll out their problem, you're okay with that. But if they come with the dump truck, beep, beep. Beep, beep, got to talk to you. Whoosh. How many know you don't like that? Anybody like that? Nobody likes that, right? So we don't want to do that with God. So we want to pray his agenda. And in and, and every relationship that matters and that's successful, you always focus on their agenda before you focus on your agenda. And, that's, and so you say, well, what is God's agenda? If I was to simplify, you can put this in your notes, what is God's agenda? In just one word, others. It's others. God's agenda is others. God so loved the world. John chapter 3, verse 16. When you pray, you should pray for, you know, others. Maybe it's persecuted Christians in other parts of the world. That, that's happening. Is anybody aware? We're going to say conscious of the fact that other people are being martyred for their faith. It's incredible. We need to pray for the church of Jesus Christ, not just in America, but in other parts of the world, which, by the way, is thriving so sometimes things thrive under persecution. We need to be, maybe pray to be ready for times of hostility and persecution because we know nothing about it in America today in, in the measure and the quantities that we see in other parts of the world. But you, praying for the church, maybe pray for your local church. The Bible says, you know, in, in, in context that it's, it's through the church that, that the hope is brought to the world. The manifold wisdom of God is brought to the world in Ephesians 3.10. We're the hope of the world, so we need to pray for our church. I pray for you. So, so when, I'm, when I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, I pray for things that are happening internationally, domestically, locally, some things that are global, and things that are right here on kind of base camp for our own church. I pray for you. Begin to just lift up the needs of the church, all the things that are happening. My job is, 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 to, is, to, is to teach and to equip you, but it's to take your needs and not meet them myself, but take your needs and bring them before God. And this is where you do that. This is where you do that is in the prayer before God uh, every single morning. When you pray, pray for your leaders, governmental leaders. Pray for your local leaders, your spiritual leaders. You should pray for me. That sounds selfish, but Romans chapter 13 talks about praying for your leadership. You know, if you smite the shepherd, the Bible says the sheep will, sh the sheep will scatter. I was going to say the sheep will shatter. <laughs> Maybe that too. But, but there, there, there are churches that are folding and crumbling all the time, and the devil knows the most strategic thing I can do is attack that dude right there. And so it's important for you to pray. So if you love your church, one of the things that you can do is just you lift up your leader. And let me just tell you something. God is good. God is faithful. We're doing good. But we're always under attack. So you can be sure that if you're under attack, we're under attack. Because it's just a more strategic target. Does that make sense? It's not better than. I'm just saying it's just strategic. Is, is anybody agreeing with me out there? Okay. So, but first, Matthew 6, 33, 33, first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And look, all these things will be given to you as well. I'll take care of you. I got your back. This is a bonus text. I don't think it's in your notes. Luke 12, 31. This is from the Today's Living Bible. It says, he will always give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Then, then, so then you can get into your agenda. Number four, depend on him for everything. This is give us this day our daily bread. You, can, you go to God with your needs for everything. Sometimes we, we in a self-sufficient, self-reliant 
super kind of intelligentsia kind of, you know, you know uh, Metro West, New England, etc. world, we, we sometimes don't think we have any needs. And we don't really realize that we need to depend on God for everything. So other parts of the world, I would, I would teach something maybe different because you need to go to God for that. You need to go to God for that. And you know what? They, they typically do when they're in desperate need. They realize that. But sometimes in, in, in our region in particular, we don't have the desperation that we need. That, des- that dependence, healthy, um, poor in spirit is what Matthew 5 talks about. Our, our Catholic brothers and sisters or friends, they say poor in spirit is talking, about, is talking about physical poverty. It's not talking about physical poverty. It's talking about divine poverty. It's saying you need to be dependent upon God for everything. Everybody getting something out of this out there? You know what I'm saying? So in our area, in our region, we need to be taught to cultivate uh, this dependence upon God because there's a tendency for us to think we got it. I'm all set. In fact, that's our favorite, favorite phrase in New England. Waiter, waitress comes over, you say, you need anything? No, I'm all set. All set. You know, anybody say all set? I say all set all the time. In fact, I have friends come up from the South, they say, what's this all set? You, say, you can say all set for everything. But we're all set. We're all set. Now, I know some of you are thinking, no, I'm not all set on everything. But there is this tendency, and we need to go to him daily, even if we don't have or are aware of our need. A big mistake is only going to him when we need something. And I would encourage you to pray as if you don't have what you need, because it communicates to God, everything I have, everything I will need, and there will be a time, comes from God. Does that make sense? Every day I pray, bless our church, bless our family. Our church is blessed. Our family is blessed. Bless, you know, me and my wife and our marriage. Bless our kids. We are blessed. But I want it to stay that way. And I want God to know it's blessed because of him, not because of me. Does that make sense? So you have to cultivate that. Communicate we need him in everything all the time. Otherwise, I think we're breeding self-reliance and not God-reliance. Psalm 121, verse 1 and following says this. I I memorized this in a different translation at one time, the NIV, but it says, I look up to the mountains. And and, uh, Steve LaPointe, a guy in our church a long time ago, wrote a song. You know, uh, I I, I, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So when, when the Bible's talking about, in, in when, we, when we read this particular verse, when it says, I look up to the mountains, we think that's heaven, but that's not actually what it was. The mountains actually represent the seat of government. It's like Capitol Hill. So God, the word is telling us right here, don't look to the government for your help. Don't look to Capitol Hill for your help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from heaven, not from Capitol Hill. My help comes from God, not from some kind of government agency. That's where my help comes from. Every breath I take, I sustain it and because you sustain it in me and uphold me. Amen? So that's what it's saying there. Number five, this is the things that you can be praying. Here's a key, another key Jesus is teaching his disciples. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What's that? Get your heart right with God and people. Get your heart right. Two key things. Get your heart right with God and people. Here's the outline. Here's the principle in the Lord's Prayer that he's trying to teach. You need to get right with God. You need to get right with people. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How do we keep our heart right in prayer? What do we do? What does that look like? I think you you pray, Lord, keep me from being desensitized. 
Keep me from being desensitized. Because see, your heart can get, I have these calluses from working out. They're horrible. I actually, this morning, I was kind of rubbing them off with one of those sandstones or something because they get so bad. And then I start picking them and it's gross. My wife yells at me. And I don't want to get in trouble. So, um, but, but we have, similar. we have callus that gets over our heart. We get desensitized by sin and, and, and by indifference and, and by neglect and things like that. And so I think we, in this time of prayer, you pray, Lord, let me not become desensitized to sin. One of the things I pray is from Psalm 139, Lord, search my heart. Go in there, search my heart, and see if there be any offensive way in me. Bring it, bring it to the surface. Point it out. Let me just tell you something. When you pray that, he'll point it out. It's not like the Pillsbury Doughboy dough pointed out either, like, hoo, hoo, hoo. no, it's like, ah, okay, okay, Holy Spirit, I get it. Every now and then, he'll surface something in that prayer time, and then what you prayed was, show that to me because I want to deal with it, because I want to repent for it. Forgive me and help me forgive. The next part is forgive others. So sometimes there's things that I need to repent of during that time, and I just repent of it. That's right, Lord. You know, uh, you know the way I spoke to uh, Devin the other day wasn't right, and uh, I, I, I forgive me for that, and I'm going to go talk to him about that after this. So i got to get right with God. i got to get right with others. Uh, so, Devin, do you forgive me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but there, there are things that wasn't, that was just a joke. We're actually good. Um, they're like, whoa, what happened there? But he'll point stuff out. And sometimes, you know, it can sting just a little bit. But I think we need to pray that it, sometimes for things in advance. So maybe you have nobody to forgive, but maybe you need to, sometimes I pray, I'm going to forgive the people that are going to offend me in advance because I'm going to be on Route 9 this afternoon. <laughs> and those people drive so stinking slow. <laughs> so I forgive them in advance for what they're going to do, you know? So I think there's, you know, we're getting, offenses will come, the Bible says, you know. Pastor David Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world, you know, he, he says, I pray every day for people because I hate so many people. <laughs> so, so if you would do this, let me tell you, if you begin to pray like this, like I'm talking about, you pray this outline out, you pray our Father, you talk to your dad, you, you worship his name, you know, you pray his agenda, and then you bring your needs before God, and, and, then, and then you go to him and you work things out relationally at a heart level. When that stuff starts, people are going to notice. People are going to say, what's up with dad? Like he's, wow, like something's up. I mean, that, dude, that prayer thing in the morning seems to be taking a, are you guys getting what I'm saying out there right now? Okay, here's the next thing. Um, do it every day, all right, when you're doing this, number one. Uh, but s number six, and, and do not let us, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is about spiritual warfare. Engage in spiritual warfare. Now, this particular translation, uh, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, it's actually not an accurate translation, okay? And a lot to say on this, but I'm just going to ask you to trust me. But the actual translation is God, because here's why it's not accurate, because God doesn't lead anybody into temptation. There's another scripture about that. The best translation in the Greek is, Lord, do not allow me to be tempted, is the more accurate translation. Do not allow me to be led into temptation, is really the accurate translation there. It, it basically, it's saying, it literally means, God, I will have, I'm going to have many chances to sin today. Would you help me make the right decision when that comes, when that time comes? That's what this is saying. Is everybody tracking now? Okay, so temptation, listen, you can write this down, this is tweetable. Temptation is the agenda of the devil. Like he wants to tempt you every single day along the way. 
He wants to subvert you. He wants to sidetrack you. He wants to sideline you. He wants to destroy you. But he's going he's to start the process by tempting you. And he'll find those, those sweet spots, those soft spots, those nerves in your life. And so that's why you want to pray to prepare for those times when you'll be tempted. So Jesus was a person who prayed so that when he was tempted in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, he could quickly say, because of recall, God's word was in him. It is written. It is written. It is written. You need to be able to have a prayer life that is fervent where you're praying the word of God, the names of God. So when you're tempted, you have a weapon against the enemy. Does that make sense? Temptation is his agenda. And when I get there, I want to be able to say, help me, God, because it's coming. And you may not like this, but the fact still remains that there's a devil out there, an adversary, an enemy who hates you and he wants to destroy you. He, he does. And in most cases, he's working harder to destroy you than you're working hard to stay strong. In most cases, that's the case. So what keeps that from happening? Prayer. It, you know, Nehemiah says we're supposed to fight for our family, so we need to fight. How do we fight? Prayer. And if you're not fighting every day, the devil's working harder than you. I want to motivate you to pray because the enemy would love to destroy you. And usually we see these things and we say, how did that happen? And it seems all of a sudden like a sinkhole in our life. No, every single day he was eroding away at your relationships, at your, at your calling and purpose, at the plan of God for your life, at your, at your connection to God. He's trying to get you further and further away from him so he can get a stronger and stronger hold on you. The cords of sin, the Bible talks about, were wrapped around. It's like a boa constrictor. You just go a little bit more, a little bit more until he can suffocate the life. It doesn't happen like all of a sudden and he comes out and just chops your head off. No, he slowly suffocates the relationship that you have with God. So every day we need to pray. And we need to like bind everything that I can. Sometimes that's what I do. I just bind everything I can think of that the enemy would try to do against my life, against my wife, against my kids, against my finances. Sometimes you just pray, you know, and sometimes I'm praying for you, like, free them from it. I, I, sometimes I don't know what to do. There's so many problems in the world today, like, it's crazy, right? And I can just sink in them. And so I pray about it. Sometimes I take a little space and just hear this the right way. Sometimes you want to get together, pastor, you know, or a leader or something like that, and there's a little bit of delay and you're frustrated because you need them right away. Sometimes they're praying for you because they don't have anything for you until they pray. So don't assume all the time they don't have time. It's because they're making time so that when they have something, you know, they have something to give you. Does that make sense? Pray. Pray about it. Here's the next thing, number seven, last but not least. For, your, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Express faith in God's ability. In other words, it's all about you, Jesus. I love that song. I can, I can only do this in your power and for your glory. Basically, you're saying this. When you, when you begin to close the whole thing up in that 15 minutes, you say, God, you're awesome. I'm not. God, you're amazing. God, everything that I'm getting ready to do today, it's for your glory, it's for your purposes, and it's by your power, it's by your ability. It's all about you. I know you can handle all of this, and I can't. I know you can take care of all of this even when I can't. And nothing I've said today so far and all my needs and all my concerns and all the issues in my heart makes you nervous. Nothing's caught you by surprise. You're awesome, God, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And I like to, to, to do this particular verse. I only quote the second half of it, but in Jeremiah 32, it says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Sometimes I think we need to remind ourselves, but say it to God, nothing's too hard for you, or nothing is too difficult for you, God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you get something out of that? 
Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Amen. That's what I want you to pray every single day. Take out that outline. And listen, listen, I, could, I did it in like two minutes on the front end, and then I taught it for about 40 minutes today. But I want you guys to realize, get in the, just start practicing. Just start practicing. If there's plenty in there. You, 15 minutes is going to go by like that. Just going to go like that. You're going to camp on a few things. And if you had to camp on something, you camp on, you know, you camp on uh, your relationship with God first. The first one, my Father in heaven. If you had a camp on one, you didn't even get on to the next one, just worshiping in his name, that would be okay. If 15 minutes was eaten up and that's all you had, that would be okay. But I'm telling you, you can pray 15 minutes a day going through this outline every single day. Bring this with you. Don't lose it. Make it a part of your devotion for the next 21 days. On your way out today, make sure you get one of those wristbands to remind you throughout the day, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, pray first. Before we get ready to do that, hey, let's stop for a second and pray. Before we eat our meal, which we've stopped doing for a long time for some reason, let's be a, let's be a testimony for what God has done in our life, and let's give thanksgiving to God in front, of other, in front of man and before you. Let's pray first. Whatever's going on, get in the habit of incorporating prayer into your everyday life. Amen? Why don't you stand on your feet? I want to I I I pray that this church grows in prayer, and I want you to agree with me on that. Amen? With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to pray for two things. One, our church, that we grow in prayer. And then I'm going to pray, I'm going to go back to this first point about relationship with God. Let's just pray. Just, just join me in your, in your faith and join me in your attitude. In Jesus' name, God, the power that's in the name of Jesus is so, so strong. And I pray that you make us aware that there is still power in the name of Jesus over every circumstance and over every problem and over every situation that we might be facing. Those things that we've exalted above the name of God, we dethrone them in Jesus' name and we put Jesus Christ back on the throne. Whatever's, whatever we're facing, if it's, if it's an addiction, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a chronic sin, if it's a, a relational problem, it's, if it's a financial problem, it's a physical problem, Jesus is still on the throne and Jesus word is still true and the things that he said are still still happening today for those people that will put the name of Jesus above every situation we thank you Lord one day we'll all have to bow our knee but today we willingly bow our knee to the name of Jesus and we exalt him above all things Lord I pray that we do that in our prayer time that we keep our word and that we get up tomorrow morning we set our alarms we maybe have to get in our car before we even leave the parking lot today I'm setting my alarm 15 minutes or I'm going to open my eyes and say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Father. I can't wait to spend this time with you. And you get down maybe on your knees beside your bed or you go to that trysting place or that quiet place and you begin to pray unto the Lord these seven principles. I pray that you change people's lives, that they never, never are the same again because they prayed the Lord's Prayer the way he intended it to be done. And now for the group of people that are here today that... uh, Maybe you have connected to God formally, but yet not relationally. You've had a form of godliness, but you haven't experienced the power that he has for you. Salvation is actually when we connect to God through relationship. That's actually what it's all about. Salvation is connecting to God through relationship. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible that God showed me years ago, Ephesians 2.14, it just talks about, for he himself is our peace, and he's made the two groups one that was away from God, far from God, one, and has destroyed the barrier between God and man, that wall of hostility. There's a barrier for some of us between, between us and God. And you know there's that wall, there's that barrier, there's that divide. Jesus came to destroy that barrier. In other words, God 
for some seems far away. But salvation is when we come close. And if you're here today and you want to come close to God through salvation and you never have given your life to him, you've never, you've never come to him. No, Jesus will never deny anybody that comes to him. Nothing can keep you from coming to Jesus if you want to. Nothing can keep you from relationship with God. But sin must be removed by allowing Jesus to remove that barrier. And if you just receive him and what he did for you by faith on the cross and accept his completed mission for you, not just for some people, but for you personally, you can be saved. You can be in relationship with him. If you know that's you and you don't have that relationship, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down front. Just right there in your seat. I'm just going to ask you to acknowledge that's me and I want you to pray for me, Pastor. And all you got to do is just raise your hand good and high right now and just say, pray for me before I leave today. God bless you. God bless you at the back. I see your hand. God bless you over here. Thank you. Thank you, sir, over here. Is there anybody else that says that's me? First time. Never done this before. You know you're supposed to. You know God's knocking on your heart all the way in the back. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you that raise your hand and those of you who have prayed this prayer before, will you just join me? Just, just, just join them. And this prayer is going to, this prayer is going to, it's a path. It helps you connect. It's, it's not, it's not going to save you, but, it, but, but believing in your heart is what saves you. The confession and believing in your heart is what saves you. Say, Jesus, say that. Come into my life. Save me today. I want to be in relationship with you. I don't want religion. I don't want a formal connection. I want a real connection with you. I don't want just that rescue thing. I want that real thing. Teach me how to rely on you, trust in you, talk with you, and know you. Now, Father, I pray for every person that prayed that prayer that you seal that new covenant arrangement. Because of what Jesus did, we can have a relationship with God. Make it come alive. Spirit of adoption take place right now. They're adopted as sons and daughters. They had to choose to be a child of God. They were, they were born, uh, you know, uh, uh, sinful, but now they're born a new creation in Christ Jesus because they came to that place of faith and accepted God's grace. Thank you, Jesus, for every person who called upon the name of the Lord in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap.